Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. What is going on, Blake Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. So, as you can tell, this is being this has become a little bit of a funky week as far as what we're putting out as you know related to our normal situation or our normal week. We had a little bit of a funkier week last week with South by Southwest as stuff getting pushed around, as well as a Fan Friday episode that kind of got tossed and kind of got redone and kind of got pushed out the same morning as this episode you're listening to came out. So bear with us while we're dealing with some of that funkiness. We got a gold star, a detention, and a fun, fun, fun thesis to do today, or at least fun in the way I like to have fun. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right, gold star of the week is going to go to Kelvin Sampson and the University of Houston, but really, I guess, just Sampson. If you watched the end of that game, there was all kinds of fun chaos. The end of University of Houston versus Illinois over the weekend, Houston won, gets to go to the Sweet 16, but the fun of the game comes afterwards. There's a assistant coach's cell phone camera videotape of this on Twitter, so go sure, make sure you go find the video. If you go on Twitter and look at, at Coach Alan Bishop, he's the guy that, I guess, shares the video. He's like the strength coach, assistant coach. Anyway, as Kelvin Sampson walks into the locker room, they all start you know, spraying the water balls, having a great time, like you see, and traditional celebrations as teams head to the Sweet 16. But Sampson tears his own shirt off and starts dancing like crazy and encouraging more and more water and going absolutely berserk. Way warm, way, way more berserk than I would anticipate a man of his age going, especially for a team that was just in the Final Four, not or just in Elite Eight. Anyway, has had a very good couple of years of college basketball under his reign. As he's tearing his shirt off and going crazy, they eventually jump an entire cooler of water over the top of him while he's going absolutely bonkers. It's a ton, a ton, a ton of video. And frankly... In this age where we're seeing players get paid through things like NIL 
and Samson has had dings on his resume for things like texting recruits too much and helping them get paid, I think it's worth pointing out that, like, maybe this is the fun Samson that, as things are loosening up, we should have gotten all along. Anyway, neither here nor there. Shouts to Houston, but really, really shouts to Coach Samson for how much fun that celebration looked. All right. Loan detention this week. Only one thing worth detentioning too, too crazy. We're not going to go too far into the updates on Brittany Griner's situation with the USSR, but I will say the big detention this week is going to go to the Cleveland Browns for signing or for trading for Deshaun Watson and for extending him with the largest guaranteed contract of all time. He's guaranteed $230 million. Dollars. Um, that's a lot of money given his past. If you want more on that, you can go check out the other episode that came out today, the Fan Friday that got released on a Monday, in which we talk about Deshaun Watson and Cleveland Browns and what the fans are supposed to feel. So I'm not going to go too far in on that. I'm going to encourage you to go check out that episode. It's also in the same feed for this podcast. Make sure you go check that out, the Fan Friday on a Monday that has to do with Cleveland Browns. All right, so we have one thesis this week, and it's March Madness themed, and it's a lot of fun, or I think it's a lot of fun, so let's check it out. The thesis reads, the NCAA tournament is a great way for college basketball to crown a champion. Well, the reason this is fun is because fun starts with an F, and that's what I give that thesis. So let's break it down. All right, so the thesis reads that the NCAA tournament is a great way to crown a college basketball champion, and I gave that an F because it's just not. It's a fun way to figure out who wins college basketball that year. All of the NCAA tournament is based on fun and fanfare. Things like 1983's NC State team and Jimmy V, that's all fun. Watching UMBC at Maryland-Baltimore County beating Virginia and clowning them for a year because then they come back and win the 2019 title, is a lot of fun. It gave us things like UMBC's Athletics Twitter account, for goodness sake, right? That's a ton of fun. It's also a ton of fun to get to watch, like, Kyle Guy lose in this really embarrassing fashion, or get to watch DeAndre Hunter and that Virginia team that was so, so good. Again, so good that the program turns around and wins the 2019 title the next year fall apart. That was a ton of fun. It's also a ton of fun to watch C.J. McCollum come to life and Lehigh upset Duke in 2013 because beating Duke is always fun. Beating Coach K is always fun. Meeting C.J. McCollum on a national stage like that is always fun. It's always fun for the same year. We get to watch Florida Third Coast, I mean Florida Gulf Coast, beat Georgetown and Otto Porter and all the fun that was. They make it all the way to Sweet 16 and we get to see how crazy that campus is with dorms on the beach and their student parties going crazy as the Florida Gulf Coast, I forget what their mascot was even. They go with the Sweet 16 and a ton of dreadlocks, a ton of fun as the guys are flying and dunking and hairs everywhere. And Duke is like, what are we doing? It's fun to watch Middle Tennessee beat Michigan State and another two versus the 15 in 2016. Since is a home, that's a ton of fun. But the reason this thesis gets an F is it doesn't say, is it a fun way to crown a college basketball champion? The thesis reads, the NCAA tournament is a great way to crown a college basketball champion. And after watching basketball this weekend, does anyone think that if they played 100 times, St. Peter's College would beat Kentucky more than 10 of those times? 
Like, realistically speaking, if they play 100 times, does St. Peter's get to double digits? St. Peter's is in the Sweet 16 this year. And I'm not saying that's not fun. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. I'm not saying I didn't sit there and enjoy my bracket getting lit on fire with Kentucky losing that game. But I am saying I'm not convinced Kentucky isn't good. I'm not convinced that St. Peter's is actually better than Kentucky. I just know they played better in that one game on that one day. And that's where this comes down to getting an F as a thesis. The NCAA tournament is a series of, I guess now it's up to 68 teams because they added three more play-in games, but you got 68 teams playing a series of single game samples. You have to win six or seven games in a series of three weeks, right? That's not exactly the most effective way or certainly the not the most succinct way. I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like I'm necessarily getting the best team always for instance if they played even just best like two out of three or something along the way and you probably have to have less teams involved but you'd also only have the good teams involved and best two out of three is going to yield a more appropriate or less randomness that the one game sample size offers and that's part of the chaos that is march is all of a sudden that extra foul in in the early part of the second half really really matters all of a sudden you know texas got lucky i guess you could argue and got to play a virginia tech team they just had to play for their lives in the acc tournament and got to play a very tired looking team whereas if you're playing two out of three by the end of that series you're both a little tired and and i, I just i think that as it shakes out the way the tournament plays out only allows for all of this randomness because it's not actually crowning the best team it's crowning the team that wins the tournament and that is something to be impressed by it's not to say that like last year's Baylor team was not also or did not also have some sort of a claim of the national title but we've had from I guess I'm about to say from score zag score from locked on zags before Andy Padden's come on and we've talked to Andy about like truthfully that was a blowout game but if they played a seven game series Gonzaga wouldn't get blown out by Baylor in four of the seven they might lose four of the seven. It might come down to a game seven. But you've seen seven-game series in the NBA Finals where the first three games are all decided by 20 points, and it's still 2-1 to one at the end of it because teams make runs. Teams have good shooting nights. Teams make adjustments between games. And in like that Gonzaga case, that was by far and away the fastest team they'd seen play all year. And I don't know that I can necessarily say that in a seven-game series. They don't adjust that speed once they have time to kind of breathe and figure it out over the course of it now does that mean that that Baylor game wasn't fun to watch oh man no that was a ton of fun to watch right sorry Andy that was a ton of fun to watch now does that mean that that Baylor team didn't do something really impressive by winning that tournament no it doesn't that was a very impressive way to do it Baylor had to beat Arkansas Villanova Wisconsin they turn on and thump Houston and then double back and thump Gonzaga now it's not that that wasn't impressive but the Gonzaga win to get there was the crazy Jalen Sugg shot over UCLA. Like, is UCLA a better matchup? UCLA plays Power 5 basketball. Might that have been more prepared for the Baylor speed and taken away that advantage? You know, in a one-game random sample, it's not crazy to think that Baylor gets to play UCLA and the match is a little different and Juzang was on a tear and is he the, you know, momentous kind of guy that Davion Mitchell or Jared Butler ended up being for Baylor, I don't know. What I do know is I don't think that, 
well, I don't necessarily feel like any one of these teams that like Baylor in particular like wasn't one of the teams in contention to be a national champion. I just don't feel like they won it because that's the best way. They won it because they're really good and also so happen to win the tournament. There are plenty of other years that like this thought would cross plenty of people's heads. And I so I don't mean to sound like this is revelatory or new, but I think the year that really, really cemented this for me was the 2014-15 season in which Kentucky showed up to play Wisconsin in the Final Four, and Kentucky came into the game 38-0. Wisconsin came in, what is it, 35-3 and or something like that. They turn around, and Wisconsin actually wins that game. I guess it, I'm looking at the box score right now. It ended up being by seven. That seven-point win, I guess, there's like some of the free-throw game at the end of the basketball game. It felt even closer than that over the course of the night. But anyway, that's not to say that this like Wisconsin team with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker and like that was a good team, a really good college basketball team. You throw in guys like Nigel Hayes and Trayvon Jackson, like that was a fun team. But on the other side of the court, you had a team that played like nine pros or eight pros, I guess, because Poitras wasn't quite playing it. You had Collie Stein, Carl Anthony Towns, both the Harrisons, Trey Lyles, Devin Booker was coming off the bench for that team, Tyler Eulis. Like that Kentucky team was all time great. I want to repeat that Kentucky team was all time great. But on that night, they shot just 47% from the field. Or sorry, 47% from two point field goals, 48% from the field. And if I'm being honest, I don't know that that's indicative of their entire season. They shot better than that from the field in roughly half their games that season. And I don't mean to say that Wisconsin's defense isn't to be credited there. I just think it's worth asking if they played that best of three, best of seven series between Wisconsin and Kentucky, is that game the admiration or is that game somehow an indicator? I feel like after having watched that Kentucky team and watched that game, that that's really more of the admiration. And I am hard-pressed to not consider Kentucky the best college basketball team in 2015. But they didn't win this single-game tournament, the single-game elimination, bunch of one-game random samples, right? could also make the same kind of argument about the like what is it 2010 Kentucky team that had John Wall and Boogie Cousins and loses a single digit game to number two West Virginia like that was again also one of the best teams in the country that year lost a relatively poor shooting game and I believe that was the elite eight of the east region or west probably east region of Kentucky anyway lost an elite eight game by single digits with two all-stars on the two NBA all-stars on the roster I mean as I look at this I see a number of different teams across the board in my lifetime that were definitely some of if not the best teams in America but just didn't shoot the ball right or had a rough night amongst these single game samples (laughs) you know you could probably also argue not just last year's Gonzaga but a few years earlier Gonzaga team had Rui Hachimura and Zach Collins and that was a very very talented college basketball team that just had a bad night in this game of one in this tournament of one game samples 
even if you go to games like uh, when Kansas beats Memphis and Memphis has Derrick Rose, or if you go to Villanova beating Carolina on a pair of back-to-back, you thought the first one's a buzzer beater, but then the second one's actually a buzzer beater or whatever. Buzzer beaters in a one-game sample are a whole lot different than like if that's just game one of a three-game series. And that doesn't make it, if anything, that makes it more fun, right? As opposed to making it less fun. But it also doesn't give me the best team. In 2005, you had the Illinois basketball team that lost a total of two games by a total of six points, if I'm looking at that right. right? They lost to Ohio State at the end of the regular season, yeah, by one point, and then lost to North Carolina in the championship game by five points. And they get no recognition as being like the greatest team of the 2000s. They had three pro guards in a college basketball world that was dominated by guards now did like d brown turn into the same kind of pro that darren williams turned into or luther head of somewhere in the middle of no fine whatever but that was a team with three pro guards that could all push it could all run could all shoot could all jump and they again only lost two games by a total of six points and are somehow not called the best team in college basketball that year i are we playing three game samples? Does North Carolina really beat them two out of three times? They beat them four out of seven times. Like I don't feel confident in saying that. Did I like that North Carolina team a lot? You betcha. That team had Ray Felton, Rashad McCants. Uh, you know, I guess Marvin Williams is like the the top draft pick of the team, and that's a whole separate podcast. I'll put that some other time. But my favorite guy was Sean May. Uh, Sean May was like a very heavy set built post player, and as a little bit thicker kid I guess I always empathized with Sean May down low and I thoroughly enjoyed watching that team win a championship game against an almost undefeated Illinois team by five points I can tell you I don't think that they do it four out of seven times and so all that is to say that if the goal of the college basketball tournament is to actually determine who is the best team in college basketball I don't think it's doing it and If the thesis reads, the NCAA tournament is a great way to crown college basketball's champion, I hear champion and think the best team in the country. And I don't think it always does that. Does the best team in the country win the tournament? Absolutely happens sometimes. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen enough for me to feel comfortable with this. I flunk this thesis. Now, Mr. Ranger, Parker, what are you going to do instead? I've mentioned several times, I think, inviting less teams but doing best two out of three would make for a really really fun weekend because those rubber matches on sunday like if you played over the course of this last chunk of weeks here and you had less teams and had teams play like thursday saturday sunday or you know wednesday friday sunday or whatever to see how they would advance those sunday or sunday or monday or whatever rubber match games between teams that are some of the best teams in the country and have kind of figured each other out like college basketball is fun because frankly there's chaos because they're college kids right the college kid aspect of this can't be overlooked and by that third game every one of those college kid type of mistakes would be amplified and be more high strung more high pressure that those games would be a ton of fun are those also one game samples? Yes, I'm not dumb. I get that. But also you get to build to those. So you don't have the one game sample knocking out the best teams. And then as a fan, I get to watch the best teams actually play 
each other. I don't have to watch Purdue play St. Peter's. I don't have to watch someone catch a break in the second round because the first round there was an upset on the other side of the bracket. I get to watch the best play the best with more regularity because I'm not beholden to these one-game samples. I think there's a way to have maybe 32 teams and do a bracket-style whittle-down of teams, but with best-of-three type of situations. I, I could outline that in a lot more detail, I guess, in a written form, but basically, I just don't think you necessarily need all of the conferences represented. Okay, let's just say it. I don't think you necessarily need... Mm, all 68 teams and it's great to have you know sister jean from loyola chicago and that's a whole lot of fun but also at the end of the day i want to see good teams versus good teams not team on a hot streak versus team that's not i don't want to see team that got lucky in round one playing juggernaut and getting crushed i want to see the good teams playing each other when it comes down to the end of the tournament and determining who is the actual best team in the country. And I don't think this model does that. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, do you hate me yet? On a a serious note, I don't mean to take the fun out of March Madness. I hope you're enjoying it. If you want to holler at us, you can follow us at Chris underscore 307. I'm just kidding. That's our guy editing the show. You can find Chris, who does all the editing work behind the scenes here, at Chris underscore 307 on Twitter. He does all the fun editing of my bad jokes over the course of things. I don't think he's going to like that one too much. But you can find him there on Twitter and talking about all kinds of things Boston sports related. You can find me at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to argue with me or if you have a better idea as far as ways to figure out what the best form of a tournament or what the best way to figure out who the best team is, let me know. I can take it. I've had this take for a while now. I'm ready to sit and fight for it. As far as the show goes, you find the show on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram and on Twitter. We're at FN Sports 2. That's at F-I-N-S-B-R-T-S number two. All one word on Twitter. On Twitter and Instagram, both you can find in the you know bio of the social media handles. You can find the link to our link tree, which has 
all of our various sponsors. You can go to my bookie, use code FNSports, double your deposit up to $1,000. You can use code FNSports15 on the beard struggle, in which you can get all your different bearded needs. I guess needs for a beard, not bearded needs but they have all kinds of bombs and oils and things like that use code fnsports15 get 15 percent off you'll also find our link to the yeti store you find out your cups coolers and koozies there uh, all your insulated needs are found via our link to the yeti store and on our link tree you'll also find a link to our merch store in which case we have a bunch of different t-shirts and hoodies and a different one for each charity each month this month is women's history month so we have an orange campaign which you can find an orange hoodie or t-shirt with a big f on it support all proceeds go to planned parenthood of greater texas because frankly if you're looking at texas these days they need our help so all proceeds from the orange campaign are going to planned parenthood of greater texas make sure you go grab one of those thank you all for listening to the show today make sure you like subscribe rate review download it on a couple of different platforms make sure you help us out with every possible way there thank you all so so much and whatever you do when it comes to sports don't flunk with us later guys Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.